You're listening to Trucking Questions from the Audio Road with Kevin Rutherford. This is the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. You can ask questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, tax, technology, or anything else about the business of trucking. Here we go. Let's head on down the audio road. Welcome to the program. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. We take your calls and we answer your questions about all kinds of topics, whether you want to talk about trucks or money, financial planning, self-improvement, health and fitness, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, whatever it is. The, the show is really all about helping you be a better you. So if you have any questions at all, pick up the phone and give us a call. We're going to get to those calls in just a little bit. The, the show really is all about making you a better you. And over the years, we've certainly grown the topics we talk about. Lately, we've been talking a lot about health and fitness. And I'm going to continue doing that because it, it really is critically important. Um, you know, I did a segment with uh, Free Wheeling the other day. They asked me to come out and talk about estate planning. And they were having a hard time finding somebody who understood estate planning and understood the trucking industry. And, and I do because I was a certified financial planner for several years and estate planning was a big part of that. But one of the reasons I told them it's hard to find somebody because nobody really does this because there's no money in it. And I know that there's no money in it because I tried. I went to school for almost three years to become a certified financial planner. And there's a lot of expense. The school is expensive. Then when you get out, you have to pay CFP board $1,000 a year. I have to pay licensing fees in every state that I want to work. And because I'm working with owner operators all across the country, the, the states started to add up. And pretty soon, just my fees alone, licensing fees, they were higher than the money I was bringing in. I was losing money just on my fees. Forget the other expenses. And, and so I started to look around to try to figure out why. And, you know, this isn't an industry where people make a lot of money. Most financial planners like to target high wealth groups because then they make more money. I was OK. I, I just I didn't even want to need to make a ton of money. I was already making money on taxes and accounting and some other things I was doing. But I needed to at least break even, cover my cost. And I couldn't do it people didn't have enough money to invest. And the other startling statistic that I found out was the average male career truck driver, which is the market I was going for, not to exclude the females. I just didn't come across many of them. Um, the average career male truck driver lives to be like 58 years old. That might not be the exact number, but it's less than 60. And that is when I first heard it, I thought there is no way that has to be wrong. Um, the average lifespan of a male is way higher than that. I think it's in the high 70s. I'll have to go look that up. But under 60 was horrible. 
Well, no wonder why they're not doing any financial planning or retirement planning or estate planning. They're not going to live long enough to enjoy it. So you've got to look at that number and say, wow, maybe we shouldn't worry too much about the money. We need to worry about the health. How that is a very scary and sad statistic. So we are going to focus much more on health, but I also know that we're going to be successful with that. We are. We're going to get people in this industry to get healthier and to focus on their health. And and you know what? Forget all the excuses. I've heard them all. I've been out on the road. I know what they are. It's a hard lifestyle. You don't you're not in the same place. It's hard to go to the gym. There's no parking. I, I lousy hours, bad food on the road. Look, I know what all the excuses are. So what? Get over it because those aren't going to change. Your hours aren't going to change. The fact that you never know where you're going to be next week isn't going to change. If you're going to be a truck driver in this industry, for the most part, there are some exceptions, but those are the things you're going to have to deal with. Get over it and just decide that health is a priority and you're going to do what it takes. So we will be talking about that more, but we also, since I know we're going to be successful with the health thing and we are going to help truck drivers live a lot longer, we need to help them with their money too. So the next couple of shows, probably weekend shows, I'm going to start working on some basic financial planning that I can pass on. I'll I'll probably do something similar to the tax show that I did where I might take a full hour and just do a, a monologue about, you know, basic financial planning, things you need to be taking care of when it comes to your money. Now, in about 30 seconds, I can tell you the reason most people fail at this. And I can give you one simple thing to do. Simple, not hard to understand. It won't be easy, but it's certainly simple. You can understand it in 30 seconds. And it is the the key to why people don't manage their money better. Just one simple thing. And I'm sure you want to know what it is. So I'm going to tell you, here's what it is. It's so simple. You're going to, you're, you're going to be tempted to say, oh no, it's, it's, that's not it. Kevin's crazy. It's more than that. It's really not. All you need to do is decide right now, right now, decide how much of every check you receive or how much of all the money that comes into you, how much are you going to set aside to work your plan? That's it. That's the one step that most people never do. And that's the only step you need to be better off than about 90% of the population. If you just took a certain percentage of everything you made and buried it in your backyard or hid it under your mattress or stuffed it in shoeboxes in the back of your closet, I don't care what you do with it. You don't have to know anything about investing. You don't have to know anything more about taxes. You don't have to learn about stocks or mutual funds or anything. All you did, think about this. If all you did was choose a number, a percentage of everything you earn and you set it aside, even if it was only 5%, if you did that every week and just 
did nothing else, you would still be better off in retirement than 90% of the population because 90% of the population never takes that step. And I know all the excuses. I don't know what to do. I don't understand investing. I'm afraid of getting ripped off. I don't know how to do a budget. I know all the excuses. Again, forget those. They don't matter. They're not going to change. You've got to change. If you're waiting for all of those excuses, call them reasons if you want. Call them challenges. I don't care what you call them. They're excuses. If you're waiting for those excuses to change, you're never going to get better. You've got to change. The circumstances aren't going to change. But think about how easy that is. All you have to do to be better off financially than the vast majority of the population in this country, all you have to do is say, okay, I, I'm, I'm just going to commit to this. I don't know where I'm going to go with it. I don't know what I'm going to do right now, but I'm just going to commit to saving 5% of everything I earn. I'll stick it in a box until I figure out what to do. And if you never figured out what to do, but you kept doing that for the rest of your life, you would be so far ahead of where you're going right now. So I, I will get much more detailed about where to put the money, how to invest the money, how it will affect your taxes. I mean, we can go into all that stuff, but trust me, don't wait for me to tell you all that stuff. I've told you the one thing you need to know to be successful at managing your money. Just one thing so simple, but you've got to do it. That's where everybody will fall down. Not everybody, but a lot of people. Um, I, I would be very, very happy if 10% of the people listening to me right now that aren't doing this, if just 10% of the people listening to me did it, this would be such a wild success. My guess is that not even 5% of the people who are listening to me, in, in reality, maybe less than 1% will make a change today. But you know what? If even one person, one, just one of you listening, makes the commitment to do this right now, then the 11 and a half minutes I spent talking about it will be well worth every second. I just hope you are the person that does it. We'll be right back. Stick around. We can talk about money. We can talk about health and fitness. We can talk about trucks. This is a trucking show. Uh, I'll answer any question you've got, or I'll give it my best. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. 
The website is letstruck.com. I'm going to, uh, you know what? I'm just going to get right to the phone calls. Let's start off in Illinois. Dave, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for taking my call. What's on your mind today? Hey, hey I got uh, two things for you. One is on uh, per diem and one is on uh, fuel systems. The, uh, the per diem question is, uh, I think it's actually kind of simple. I was curious, is per diem the same for an individual that's an S-corp as it would be for like a sole proprietor? Uh, you know, that's a good question. And, and here's the crazy part. I was doing some reading one day in the IRS code. And, you know, I, I try to read until either my ears start bleeding or I can't see anymore, which takes about 15 minutes reading IRS code. But I do it. And one day I was reading it really, really in depth about per diem and some other things. And I came across a section of the code that I had never seen before that actually said, if you were the owner of an S-Corp and the IRS's definition is of an owner is anybody who owns more than 2% of the stock. So clearly we would meet that criteria. And it said, if you were more than a 2% owner of a corporation, you couldn't take per diem at all. You had to use actual expenses. You had to keep all those receipts for meals, food, beverages, right. all that stuff. And I thought, oh, my God, I've been doing per diem for S-Corp clients, and, and I can't. I mean, this is crazy. How come I've never seen this before? I've never heard it. I started calling other people who did owner-operators, and they were like, oh, no, no, I've never heard that. We've been doing it for years and years. We've been through audits, and so have I. So this is one of the – and this is the problem with our code. 70,000 or 700,000 or however many pages it is now – even the IRS doesn't enforce the rules. I have never, I can't find anybody who even knows that that exists. And I've found thousands of S Corp tax returns with per diem. They've been through audits. Nobody ever says anything. So, you know, my answer is if you read the code, I don't think you can do it, but everybody does. So we keep okay. doing it. And then my, uh, my fuel question is on, on the, um, on the stock, uh, series 60 it's 2001 so no uh no alterations in a fuel system could you explain okay. to me the path of the fuel from the tank to the injector where does it go like in, in the order it goes because i've got that uh got a spin on filter and then i've got that see-through davco bowl and I'm, I'm trying to figure out what the path of the fuel is to get from the tank up to the injector like where it goes first and everything you know, it's not always the same because okay. of it, the configurations that you just talked about, a spin-on filter and a DAVCO. Some trucks only have the DAVCO. Some will have two spin-ons. You know, if we start adding the FAS, then our fuel system gets even more complicated. So it, it the best way for you, I, and I guess before we try to figure out your path, what is the reason we need to know? Well, what I was curious is because um, I, I had something happen that's never happened to me uh, beginning of the year. My spin-on actually freezed up. Um, I, I was due for a change, so I mean, that, I think that's why. But when it freezed up, the bowl also filled up, even with a brand-new filter in it. So I'm trying to figure out if, like, if the fuel goes from the DAVCO to the spin-on and then out, and then the, the fact that it was, it was uh, froze, it wouldn't let the fuel leave the bowl. Yeah, that actually makes the most sense. 
Um, and this is why I ask, why do we need to know? Because the, the part you're trying to figure out is the part that could be different on every truck. Just depends uh, on how they, when, when they installed the filters in which order, because we can do it either way. I'm actually not a big fan of having a second spin on. Um, I, I, anytime I run the Davco, I would run the Davco by itself. Um, uh, I've run the Davco. Yeah. Um, and the, okay. again, that's what I've seen lots of different configurations. I guess I don't understand the reason for the spin on and the Davco. Um, it, it just, you know, maybe having one additional filter helps both of them last longer, but I don't think we're really saving any money by doing that. And it just, the system more complicated. Now, I, I also want my one of the things I'd like to get done this year is I want to get a fast run of Pittsburgh Power. Would that eliminate that DAVCO then, or do they keep that on? It's up to you. Um, and again, I kind of go back and forth on this. I've run it both ways, and I, I like the fact that the DAVCO has the clear bowl and I can see exactly when I need to change the filter. And I ran the DAVCO for years, but I, I love what the fast does for the engine. And I'm not wild about the complication of having both of them. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of defaulted to say, yeah, you know what? I love the DAVCO, but I like the fast better and I don't want them both. So I'm just running the fast. Okay. All right. Well, that answers that question. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks for the call. Let's head off to BC. Travis, welcome to the program. Uh, hey, Kevin. How you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Good. What's on your mind today? Well, I called you yesterday about switching my gears in my Kenworth from 433s to 279s. And I just talked to the shop that I was hoping to get it done with. And he was quite shocked that I wanted to put those in there. He wasn't even sure if he could. So he's, his suggestion was 370s or maybe possibly 355s, but he didn't even think he could put those in possibly. so. Um, there are some housings, depending on the actual housing itself, that will only accept certain gears. But I can't imagine that there isn't some gear set down in that high two range, 264, 279, 281, you know, several of the, I I have to believe that we can get that ratio for that housing. Maybe not, but I'm pretty sure we can. Now here's the problem. Most people, even, even mechanics, technicians, I can almost say, especially mechanics and technicians, have very little understanding of gearing. They're not out driving the truck. They're not tracking fuel mileage. They know how to fix the gears. They know, you know, how to take a rear end apart, put it back together, but they don't have much of a concept of, of how gearing really works on the road and in the real world. And nobody, and I, and I mean this, I, I don't know of anybody prior to Bruce and I coming up with this idea that was gearing trucks this way. But when we sat down and we looked at it, we thought, my God, why isn't every truck geared this way? So I'm not surprised that people look at you like you have three heads, you know, to go from 433s to 279s. That That's probably one of the biggest jumps I've ever made in gear ratio. But clearly there's a reason for it. And If I could explain it to him, I think he would understand it. All we're saying is 
we're going to gear this truck to run in 16th gear on your transmission. That is your direct gear. It's your most efficient. And we want to be able to gear it so that when you're in 16th gear, you're at your best cruise speed, roughly 55 to 60 is where we're going to get our best fuel economy. So we match a gear. We match a rear end gear and a tire size to that transmission gear we want to run in and we get the right RPM. 279s will do it in your truck. Now we have a truck that probably 90% of the time you're going to be in the best gear at the best speed. But when you need to go faster, which you told me is something that happens, we've got two more gears. We can go up 70. We can go up to 80 if we want. Now, we're not going to get any fuel economy at 80, but we're going to get the best possible fuel economy because we've geared the truck right to run all those speeds. So Bruce and I sat down and said, if direct is the most efficient gear, why don't we gear trucks to run in direct and actually have two real overdrives? And and that's exactly what we started doing. And it works fantastic. Like I said, I don't know why every truck on the road isn't geared this way. Well, maybe I guess my concern is now is because he's thinking that because where we are in BC, we got a lot of mountains. So maybe that's what he's thinking. Two seventy nines, you're not going to be able to pull anything up a mountain. So maybe that's my concern now. Well, here's the issue, though. And again, this is where people are just not understanding how gearing works. Um, I don't care what gear you put in this truck. At in 18th gear, even with your 433s, you're going to go up a hill and have to drop a gear, right? That truck isn't going to go up every hill in the country in 18th gear. There's no way. So you drop a gear. Big deal. Now you go up the hill. You've got 18 gears. So what? We're cruising in 16th. When you hit a hill, you drop to 15th. You just re-geared the whole truck. And if that gear isn't oh, good yeah. enough, you drop to 14 and you just re-geared the whole truck again. There is a gear. We're going to get up the hill. You're okay. not going to run yeah, out of gear. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, once you start thinking about it like that, it's no different. Okay. Thanks, Kevin. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks for the call. You know, that that is just a, a, an area where there's just a lot of misunderstanding in the industry. Again, it's drivers owner-operators, mechanics, gearing is just not well understood. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. I'm going to get right back to some phone calls. Let's go to 
Portland. Dave, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. This is Dave. Uh, I guess I've got a question here on, on I, I got the less profit. I've joined the less profit here, the fuel gauges here a couple months ago. I'm still, I've gone flat better for 10 years and now I'm going to drive in. I've got a, uh, I've got a 430 Detroit 10 speed. I believe I've got 370 rear ends. My, I've heard you say before that the, uh, the tack is not always accurate. Now I run off my, it's, it, my speed is not always accurate. It's about five miles off. Okay. Maybe a little more. So I, so I've tried to get an accurate or, or when I can get an accurate, uh, fuel consumption and it's off the tack. It's, it's reading six, five off the computer. I've played with the numbers a little bit and, and it comes out to, I mean, it's just an unbelievable number. It gets up there to eight miles a gallon and it, there's no way I can get an eight. With my 470, I got, I was lucky to get five, five. Now, now let's, someone make, you know, let's just clear up a couple things. You're probably right that unless this truck is heavily modified, uh, with lots of fuel mileage upgrades, you're probably not getting eight. Eight is clearly possible, though. I mean, no question. We do it all the time. We have guys getting nine. We even have a couple legitimately breaking 10 in the summertime. And I don't mean just one trip. You know, we see that kind of stuff all the time. When I say we have trucks getting over nine or over 10, I'm talking about 30-day averages. Oh, right. Yeah, I know. I've, I've listened many times. I've got a 2000 Freightliner Century with a 430 Detroit in it. It's a 430-99. So it's possible, but you're probably right. Now, here's the thing, though. We know if your speedometer is five miles an hour off, that means every 60 miles you drive, the the mileage is also five miles off. Right, and exactly. That's where the fuel mileage numbers start to get tricky. Now, there's a couple ways to look at this. If all we're using our fuel mileage number for is for our own benefit and just so that we can track it and improve, then it's not really that big of a deal if it's not completely accurate. It's only a big deal, really, if we're trying to compare to other people and we just want to make sure it's apples to apples and everybody's doing it right. And the, the odds are most people aren't exactly right because most speedometers are off a little bit. And so... You know, there's a couple things we could do to correct this. There's a couple ways we could track it better. It's up to you whether you want to. I, even if we don't get it 100% right, it's still good information. You're still tracking your numbers and you would use them to improve. And that's really all that matters. But here's a couple ways we can do this. We can go into the ECM and change one number and probably get your speedometer much more accurate. What we need That was to my know- question. You just yep. hit my question right there. What we need to know is what's called the RPM of the tire, and it stands for uh, revolutions per mile. So how many times does that wheel revolve every mile? And the number is going to be somewhere around 500. Might be, you know, a a tall 24.5 usually comes in around 470. And a low profile 22.5 usually comes in around 520. So most tires 
are in that range of about 470 to 520. Now, the low-profile wide single actually comes in at about 526. It's, it's pretty small. But we take that number, whatever it is. It might be 506. It might be 491. We actually go look up your specific tire. And right. it, it, by looking up the tire, we can usually find the RPM. And then we plug that into the computer, and your speedometer should be much closer. Now, the other thing you can do is use a GPS for your mileage tracking, and that, that's pretty darn accurate. And I've, and I've done that, too. I know my GPS has got uh, this, this, this uh, oh, it's a TND 720 Ram McNally. Okay. And it, it's, it's a great GPS. I love it. And it's got, but I can buy, you know, the, the logging material to go with it, the e-logs and all that junk. Right. I want to spend more money. Now, is it, is it cost-effective? for me to spend whatever it's going to cost to go in and do what you're saying to the ECM. Um, you know, here's the thing. And, you know, you hear me talk all the time about building relationships with shops and, and we do that to get, you know, better quality work and those kind of things. But there are other advantages. I used to be able to pull into my Detroit shop, run it in, say, hey, guys, I want to make a quick change in the ECM. They'd make the change, never even charge me. So right. I, go, I go to Detroit up there in Ridgefield. Oh, okay. Yeah. It, a lot of times, you know, if you know somebody, you've got a relationship, they'll either charge you, you know, a half hour instead of the hour minimum, or a lot of times they'll just do it and not charge you at all. Especially if you've got a shop where you take the mechanics pizza once in a while, or, you know, sodas on a hot summer day or whatever. Sure. Uh, sure. So you're either going to pay an hour minimum to get it done or you can find somebody who'll probably do it cheaper. And it, it's really up to you. Like I said, even if the speedometer is off and it throws your fuel mileage numbers off a little bit, if you're only using them for your own purpose, who cares? Right, right, exactly. exactly. I guess I'm, I'm trying to get more accurate on everything I'm doing here, which is, it's, it's, that's a, that's a battle for everybody. <laughs> yeah, it, and it's a good battle. And, and it, it, it makes sense to look at everything and, and do just what you did. Should I change it? Is it cost effective? Do I need to spend the money or am I fine just the way I am? And that's really up to you. Some people, it would make them crazy if their speedometer is off. My speedometer in my truck is actually off eight miles an hour. It isn't even close. But you know what? I don't care. Uh, it just doesn't matter to me. I have my G I, I never speed. So that's not a problem. I, I know what the difference is so I can look at my speedometer and still know how fast I'm going. So I haven't bothered to go in and change mine. It's fine the way it is. Some people that would just make them crazy. And I get that. You got to do what works for you. Let's go to Texas. John, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Uh, I got a problem with my automatic transmission. The, uh, it, well, I'll be in a certain gear, seventh gear, eighth gear. I'll go to shift and I'll get an F code. It just starts flashing. Or this morning it happened. I was in tent, go to take an exit and it started flashing CA. I don't know what CA is. I can't find any help. I know that if I, uh, shut it down, I can reset the, computer by disconnecting the batteries for about 10 minutes but it's been doing it uh quite often uh several times yesterday left me stranded for about an hour today i shut the truck off 
waited about 20 minutes, started up, and everything's fine again. Um, I called Freightliner, and they, the only thing they can say is you got to bring it in, and they're booked for four days. I'll be shut down for four days. So, Is it an Eaton or a Marathon? Um, it's a Freightliner Century class, and it says Smart Ship, so I'm not sure which one it is. It's got it's just a two pedal truck. Smart shift, I believe, actually might what year is it? Oh seven. And I can't remember if they were doing the Meritors. The Eatons are usually called the auto shift and the ultra shift. The auto shift being the three pedal, the ultra shift being the two. Uh, uh you know, I'd have to probably smart shift. Boy, I'm I'm thinking it's Meritor, but I didn't know we were still putting Meritors in an 07. Um if it's a Meritor, uh, you're probably going to have more trouble. Hopefully, it's an Eaton because they're just okay. they're not servicing the Meritors much anymore because they're not using them anymore. Uh, but Freightliner's right. I mean, nobody can solve this problem over the phone. Uh, I can't. They can't. You got to see the truck. We got to start testing it. There are lots and lots of things that could cause this. Okay. Can you... So once it once you get the code, then the the transmission becomes non-responsive. You can't put it in manual. You can't really do anything, right? Well, it'll drop down. Like whenever I got off that exit, uh, it was in tenth gear. When I came to the stop sign, it automatically dropped down to second gear, and I was able to get into the truck stop and get out of the way. Um, it's that also may, that may change. I, I had one that once you got the code. Uh, it would lock up the transmission and it would not come out of that gear. You could park it. You could do whatever you want. And sometimes you could turn it off, disconnect the battery, and, and it would reset. Then we had times where even that wouldn't work. And I'm not sure that we ever solved mine. And and the scary part is, according to the dealer, between what I spent and what the dealer said they had to eat because I refused to pay it, we were over $20,000 in work on that transmission and i'm not sure we ever found the problem it was so intermittent we're not sure if we got it or not um hold that thought i'm going to get to a break and i'll come back stick around i'm kevin Ruff. All right, a quick heads up here. Remember, we're going into the fourth segment. At the end of this, I'll say I'm done. I'm out of here. I got to go. Don't hang up because we'll be coming back. Here we go. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're down to the final segment, so we're going to get right back to the calls. Before the break, I was talking with John in Texas. Uh, John, so 
you do have to take it in. Here's here's another area, another situation where having a good relationship really pays off. Because here's what I would recommend. And, and the, the shop, if you don't have a relationship with them, is probably going to tell you they're not going to do it. But what I right. finally learned was that the manufacturer of the product, whether it's Eaton or Meritor, they have field reps that do nothing but troubleshoot transmissions and they don't work at a shop. They, they work for Eaton or for Meritor for the manufacturer. And I found out that I could get that rep to come down to the shop where my truck was and help them. And he was able to bring software that the shop didn't have and bulletins that the shop either didn't get or didn't know about their campaigns and fixes. And he was able to do a lot of things that nobody else did to that transmission in all this time that we were having trouble. So I recommend to people before you take it in at all, um, just, just ask, can we get, you know, an Eaton or a Meritor rep down here to help with the problem? Now, most shops will say, look, just bring it in, give us a shot at it. You know, it might be something simple and we can just fix it. And if that's the case, I'll give them a shot, but probably just one. If they don't get it right the first time, then I'm not coming back until we get a, a manufacturer's rep in here. Well, the check engine was also throwing a code 31. Would that have anything to do with, you know, I don't even know what a code 31 is. Uh, nobody uh, knows what a code 31 is. And I say oh. that somewhat facetiously. They might know, but codes aren't always reliable. Codes, uh, some codes are just what they call ghost codes. Some codes yeah. have no meaning whatsoever. So it's not always a slam dunk. Here's a code. Here's what we have to do to fix it. In fact, it's almost okay. never. The codes can help us maybe point us in the right direction. Sometimes they're they're totally meaningless, though. So I, I would, you know, if you have a shop you trust, get it in. Give them one shot at it. But, but know that if they can't get it right the first time, and, and the reason I say that is because I've just seen these transmission problems cost a lot of money. One other thing I want to clear up, and this might seem minor, but I just like to use the right words. We don't have automatic transmissions in the trucking industry. We do, but they're so rare. Um, Allison makes a, a heavy-duty automatic transmission, but we don't use them. They're very heavy, expensive, and inefficient. What we use are either referred to as auto shift or automated manual transmissions. It, it really is a big difference between a, a true automatic transmission, the way we have in our cars, and what we have in trucks are very, very different. Now, I have an exception. My smart car actually has an automated manual transmission. It's a six-speed manual transmission, but it can be shifted by the computer. And that's what happens in a truck. We have manual transmissions being shifted by the computer. So they're not really automatics. Not a big deal. I just like to be accurate with the words. Let's go to uh, Utah. Douglas, welcome to the program. Hello, Kevin. Um, hey, um, the question I have here is um, my second, my steer axle and my second axle are original tires to the truck. My third axle is, are, is a new set of tires. I have about 40,000 miles on it. On the uh, on the treads itself, 
Um, you there? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, when I did the uh, uh, the death gate, the uh, steers were sitting at eleven. The second axle was sitting at an eight on the death gate, and the third axle was sitting at a thirteen. Um, my question is: Should I be concerned about the depth gauge differences between uh, the original two tires and no. the third axle? No, um, the steer axle doesn't matter at all. We can just ignore that one completely. That that one, we can even run a totally different tire size on that axle if we wanted to. So, okay. Now the two differentials, the two drive axles, we do need to keep them close but you're close enough you're only about five thirty seconds off and i think there is a number and and mike beckett is where i get that number from but it's pretty big i think it's like eight thirty seconds or maybe even more that we could have a difference and the power divider will make up for that difference without putting any strain on it if we get too okay. big of a difference then the power divider is going to have to work too hard to match those two up um I, I'm a little curious, though. What kind of tires did you buy that only have 13, 30 seconds of rubber? I mean, after 40, um, I know we wore some down, but not much. That's a really low tread depth. I have XDA threes on the steers. I have an XDA energy on the second and an XD line, line D on the third. The line energy D? Um, do you remember, uh, what the tread depth was on that tire when you first bought it? Uh, no, unfortunately not. Um, I know they're, uh, the only thing I, I think they're 44, uh, they're 44s, not 22. Yeah. You know, I, um, I thought that that tire was like 22, 30 seconds when you first buy it, maybe even a little bigger than that. 1922. I'm going to go look. So I'm just curious because having only 1330 seconds on that tire now seems really odd. I'm wondering if you measured right or if we if we wore down that much rubber that fast. Um, well, the, the, to answer your question, you're fine. You don't have to worry about the differences. And again, the steer tire steer axle never matters. The two drive axles, we do need to keep them somewhat matched, but you're close enough. It's not going to hurt anything. So you can leave it the way it is. I think at the break, I'll go look up that tire and see if I can figure out what might be going on there. Let's go to uh, Florida. Doug, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Fair tax now. Absolutely. What's uh, on your I I have a question for you about insurance. Right now, I own just my tractor, and I'm leased to a carrier. In the, in the not-too-distant future, I plan on buying my own trailer and leasing that onto the carrier as well as an interim move towards getting my own authority. And I was just wondering what insurances I'm going to need to carry to not only indemnify the carrier but basically protect myself. Uh, the, the two common, and, and tell me if, if you're asking for more than this, the, the two common when we have, now, 
we normally cover what's called uh, general liability, public liability. There are a couple other terms, but what we're talking about is the insurance that you would have in case you hurt anybody else in any way. So if you run somebody over personally or their property or anything, your general liability is going to cover that. Now, typically, the carrier with the authority covers the general liability. The owner-operator covers any other time that the general liability doesn't kick in. For example, depending on the policy, some trucks aren't covered if they're not under dispatch. So that's where where the owner-operator usually picks up something like bobtail or non-trucking liability or something like that. And that can get somewhat confusing, but I'm not going to get into that yet. Um, then the other thing we typically cover is cargo. And cargo, you know, you just have to look at the most expensive load you think you're ever going to carry. And make sure you've got enough coverage for that. So those are the two most common is the general liability in the cargo that most owner-operators being leased to a carrier would never have. But when you get your own authority or some small carriers, they will put that on the owner-operator. Does that answer your question? Makes it clear as mud. Yeah, good, good. If I were to start on uh, all the differences between bobtail, deadhead, non-trucking liability, then it would get really muddy. <laughs> all right, thanks, Kevin. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's, uh, you know what? I think I'm going to take us into a break. And um, when we, oh, you know what? No, we're, we're just about done. This is the end of the show. So I'm going to wrap up the show and I'll see you back here next time. Um, I, I'm looking at the X-Line Energy D, which is the new tire that he said he just put on. And I was pretty close. Uh, that tire comes with 2330 seconds of rubber. So I would be really, really surprised. It's possible, though, that you've scrubbed off 10, 30 seconds in 40,000 miles. Wow. You might want to go back and measure those again. Thanks for joining me. We'll see you back here next time. You're on the Road Dog Sirius XM. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Be safe. Be profitable. Do the hard work and master the journey. Good night, everyone. taxes, your truck, and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. Welcome to the program. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. 
really the show's grown over the years, though. We we expand now. The show, I like to say the show is about helping you be a better you all around, whether that means in business, as a driver, as an employee, as a human being. If you want to get healthier, if you want to get more fit, if you want to be better at managing your money, better at building and maintaining relationships, we can talk about all of those things. Now, I don't have all the answers, but I've read a lot of books on a lot of topics. I've helped people with these issues for years and years. So whether it's about goal setting or leadership, about fuel mileage, truck maintenance, it can be very trucking specific, or it can be just general, how do we all get better at what we do? And my overall goal has always been to make the trucking industry a better place to live and work. So join me and help me in that venture. And uh, we do that by taking your calls and answering your questions and and discussing these issues. And I'm going to get to those calls in just a couple minutes. We have been talking more about new topics some health and fitness. I started talking about uh, money and finances. We're going to continue with those topics. And and I do get emails from people saying, get back to trucking. And, And the thing is, we're not moving away from trucking. We're really not. Everything we talk about will be wrapped around trucking. But fitness, when it comes to trucking, is pretty specific. We have real challenges in this industry that a lot of other people don't face. You know, most people who go to the gym typically go to the gym either on their way to work or on their way home. I didn't think much about it until I, you know, had to join a gym or decided to join a gym and I didn't commute to work. It's more of a challenge to just get up and get out of the house and go to the gym. Because many days I don't need to leave. I work at home, you know, do a lot at home. So it's kind of a challenge. Now, let's talk about being on the road. When you don't even know where you're going to be next week, sometimes you don't know where you're going to be tomorrow. That brings up a lot of challenges around fitness and health and nutrition that you won't find addressed in the, the general fitness population. So we'll talk about it here. I have a pretty strong background in fitness and nutrition. My first business was a gym. Uh, I coached uh, sports for several years. I coached wrestling for decades, uh, including wrestling myself, which is very entrenched into fitness. It's, It's one of the most physically demanding sports I've ever tried. And there's a real component around nutrition and weight loss because of the weight classes and cutting weight and those kind of things. So I do have a lot of experience and background in that. But we're also bringing in people just like we do with every topic. I go find people that are way smarter than I am. I'd like to have a good basic understanding and and around fitness and health, I do. But I'd like to bring in people who have more depth of knowledge and experience than I do. Um, Kim Cockerham, who's part of our Let's Truck team, is part of our fitness push, and she's doing her podcast. I'm going to tell you more about that later. Uh, Kim has got tremendous experience and knowledge in this area, starting from zero, not being fit at all, being overweight, and not being active, starting from zero and 
culminating in completing an Ironman triathlon. That's real world experience. You know what? I don't have that. I, I've, I've accomplished some things physically over the years, but not that. Uh, and, and Kim is bringing in people with more experience and more knowledge. And that's what we do. We don't have to be the absolute authority on anything. There are people out there who know more about every topic I talk about, almost. If it comes to fuel mileage, I, I certainly know a lot about fuel mileage. Money management, I've studied that for years. I, I will bring some other people in, but I can do a lot of that. But our, our, our mission is to help you be better at everything. And we will bring in people in all of those areas. And our job, if we have to bring somebody in from the outside, from outside the trucking industry, our job is to help them understand the challenges that we face in this industry. And we're, we're good at that. So you will hear us talking more about those other areas. Now, the show itself, other than my open, which I choose what I'm going to talk about in the open, the show will always be driven by the callers. So we'll still take your calls, answer your questions about fuel mileage, rolling resistance, whatever it happens to be, maintenance. We can talk about it all. But, you know, the, the, the show is still the callers. The open is mine. The show, the rest of the show is up to the callers. Whatever it is you want to talk about is what we will talk about. Let's, uh, let's get to some phone calls. Let's go to Washington. Mike, welcome to the program. Good morning, Kevin. Um, I like the way that I like the direction the show's going. And, uh, you know, it, we can only talk about oil samples so much. And, uh, really, the, the really interesting thing is I, I pay attention to the comments I get, whether they're on Facebook or wherever. And it's not because I really care what people are saying about me, it's just it's good branding marketing information. We need to know how we're being received, perceived, and what people think. Um, and I take it all into consideration. It doesn't mean I'll change the show just because somebody doesn't like something, but I do pay attention to it. And the interesting thing is, it's the same people complaining about the new direction. And, you know, that we're talking about all these new topics and they just want me to get back to trucking. But I can go back and look. Those are the same people that say, oh, my God, he's doing another oil sample. Oh, my God, he's talking about rolling resistance again. Can't we ever talk about something different? And then the minute I go to talk about something different, they say we got to get back to truck. So, you know, there are just some people who just don't ever seem to be happy with anything. And I think like potential government workers. Yeah, um, I, I figured out over the years that whoever said the, the phrase, the customer is always right, is an idiot. And if you run your business believing that the customer is always right, you are going to be frustrated and you're just not going to run a good business. I think the better thing to do is figure out which customer is right for me. Because the customer isn't always right, but which customer is right for me? And there are some customers I just don't want. Look, guys, go someplace else. I, I, I don't want. A, and the funny thing is, when you tell them that, they kind of panic. What do you mean you don't want my business? Why, why not? Well, because you don't ever seem to be happy no matter how hard I try. So why would I keep beating my head against the wall? Go someplace else. Find some other show to listen to. Find some other accounting software to use. And, and why would you keep doing this if you're so miserable? So we know that we do like feedback. I want to know what people think, but 
we still have to guide where the show is going to go. And I like the the way it's going. The the people who, you know, really follow the show and support the show seem to like where it's going. So we're going to continue. Great. Well, that being said, of course, now I want to talk about oil samples since I just got some. So, oh, good. Um, All right. I, I, sent, I sent them to you, and um, I hope you have them in front of you. I do. Uh, wow. What is going on here? So let's see. This is an ISX. What year? Uh, the trucks of 2012. Okay. So we know this isn't a real clean burning engine, but boy, have we got some stuff going on here. Um, did you change the oil by chance yet? Uh, I just changed it with the last sample. Okay, good, because I was going to recommend that you do. Um, uh, let me try to figure out what's going on here. Uh, we have potassium, but no sodium, so that isn't a problem. We've got wear metals kind of all over the board. We've got a lot of lead, no climb in copper yet, so that's a good sign. Aluminum, chromium, and iron. Um those are all cylinder metals. And this engine has how many miles on it right now? Uh, currently, it's got 240. Okay. You know, it, it, it's really hard to say. It, it's such an odd pattern because when we look at the physical qualities of the oil, meaning is there any fuel dilution? There isn't. Is there any soot? Nothing to speak of. There's no water. The viscosity has been pretty consistent. There's no real contaminants, yet the oil is degrading pretty quickly and the wear metals are all elevated. And that's odd because normally it's the condition of the oil that causes those things to happen. Let me, um, let me take just a couple minutes here while I get to a break and try to wrap my head around this and, and we'll come back and talk more about this. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. I'm going to go back to Mike in Washington. Mike, you still with me? I am. All right. So, I, you know, after looking at it, I really haven't figured out much more than what I knew before. Um, for some reason, the, the oil is oxidizing and degrading. And it's been doing it almost right from the start. And I think that's why we see some elevated wear metals. So what we're going to need is to see one sample. Um, so your next sample, I, I want to see it 
you know, right from the start and see where we go. I have a feeling that we are getting a lot of blow by into the crankcase and, and we're not getting a lot of soot, but we're getting a lot of combustion gases and, and that's what's oxidizing the oil so fast. So let's see what a, what a clean sample looks like and then go from there. Okay. When do you want to see that? Um, what schedule have you been on for samples? Let me look. 25,000 or so? 25, yeah. How many miles are on the oil that's in the truck right now? Uh, just put just put it in this week. Okay. Let's let's do a sample at 15. Okay. Let let's do it a little early this time and and get a jump on on a strategy to figure out what's going on here. Okay. Sounds good. And I don't want you to worry. There's nothing major in there. I mean, it, it's a lot of little stuff being slightly elevated, not even enough that I can figure out a pattern or what's going on. Sure. So um, well, we, were having, we were having a little base issue with it. So I started using the lube refiner and, um, and it looks like that corrected that issue on the last yeah. sample. So. And, and you know what? That brings up a good point. One of the things we may find as we do this, as we use the lube refiner to keep our base up, that oil is still going to get old. And, and that's kind of what I see happening here. It's oxidized, which happens over time. But what's confusing me is when I look back in your history, it, it started oxidizing really early. And that's kind of what I'm wondering about. So the Luberfiner took care of the base, which is good. I'm just wondering why the oil's oxidizing so fast. So a, a clean sample will give us a better idea of what's going on. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Hey, I, I uh, put new drive tires on, and I just took your advice, and I put the all-position multi, uh, what, X-multis on. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're the Michelin. They're Sipe. That's an incredible grip tire. I got to yeah. tell you, I've never, I've never driven a tire. I haven't, chain, I haven't had a chain up all year on ice, on snow, even empty. I've only locked in a couple of times going up a big, a heavy grade to empty. So uh, those things are amazing. You know, that's a good point. People look at the all position tire, what, what we sometimes refer to as a steer tire and think, oh my God, you're insane to put those on the drive axle. They won't have any traction. They have way better traction than lug tires in lots of situations. In rain, way. they are way, way better than a lug tire. It's not even close ice. Now this tire with siping, this tire actually gets traction on ice. Um, yes, lug, tire, lug tires don't do that. Lug tires are horrible on ice because they have lots of surface and, and they just don't do well on ice at all. Um, this is the only amazing tire. Yeah. The only time you really see a traction advantage with a lug tire is in deep snow or mud or stuff like that. How often do we get in that situation? So yeah, I'm, I'm glad you like it. It, it. There's a ton of advantages to running your tires like that. So uh, glad you did it. I'm glad you're happy with them. That is an amazing tire. Let's, uh, let's head to Wisconsin. Jeff, welcome to the program. Hello, Kevin. Thanks for taking the call there. Hey, What's on your uh, mind? My, my question is uh, uh, with tires and uh, super singles versus uh, duels. I, I just bought a dual. Uh, a flatbed trailer with a spread axle, and it came with uh, 
Continental HSR2s, which I believe, if I looked at the thing right, the rolling resistance is 117. Okay. And I want to, I run super single, the singles on the, on the tractor, and I want to switch over. So my question to you is, you know, is it, I can do it for $1,600. You know, they'll take my old stuff or whatever, the new old stuff. And okay. With the tires. What tire would you recommend on a spread axle tractor? Because everybody that I've talked to, there really isn't a spread axle single tire. What's your recommendation, I'm asking? Um, well, that that's not exactly true. There are um, wide singles that are more suited for um, a spread axle than others. Uh, you know, if we want the absolute lowest rolling resistance we can possibly get, then you'd want to look for the X1 XTA. Uh, and that has a rolling resistance of 75. So if you were to go from 117 to 75, uh, that's like 40 points. Um, you're going to pick up four tenths of a mile per gallon, which saves you about $4,000 a year, which means your break even comes in less than six months. That that's kind of a no brainer. That's pretty quick. Now the XTA won't handle the scrubbing quite as well, but, but sometimes it's, it, there's so much fuel savings that it's worth throwing them on there, rotating them once or twice, uh, to cut down on some of the scrubbing. And then getting another set. I mean, sometimes that makes sense. The, the tire that would handle this better would be the X1 XTE. That is more of a regional tire. It handles scrubbing a little better. It has a rolling resistance of 87. Um, so you're still going to pick up a good solid three-tenths of a mile per gallon. Your break-even still comes at about six months. And it, it's still either one of those tires would make a lot of sense. Oh, really? Okay. And as long as I got you on the phone, I, I switched, I bought a used set of, uh, they were new, you know, somebody took them off and I ended up with these, uh, for the tractor drives, XDN two four fifty fives Okay. Um, on the drives. What is your recommended? Cause I, I, it seems like that's a one thirty seven on the rolling resistance deal. What, what, what do you recommend for the drives? The, the X one line energy D is the tire that I recommend for the drives, which has a rolling resistance of 89, which is really, really low for the drive position. Okay. X one line energy D. Yep. That is Got their it. newest tire. Really excellent tire when it comes to wear, too. It lasts a long time. Handling is amazing. Um, and, and fuel mileage is just outstanding. 89 is extremely low on the drive axle. Let's go to Florida. Mark, welcome to the program. Yep, go ahead. Mark. You're breaking up. Oh, let me try again. You you were gone, and now you're back. Try it one more time. Yeah. See, uh, no one, uh, you started about health and fitness, and no one seems to want to talk about it. But 
Um, I I was uh, leased to one of the companies that's one of your sponsors over the road, okay. and I, I had all kinds of health issues to the point that I was at a hospital with pneumonia in the hospital. And as soon as the doctor looked at me, told me you have uh, sleep apnea, and I I kind of knew it and I didn't want to face it. Make a long story short, I made a change in my life. I, I stopped going over the road for about a year and stayed local, which I don't like. But I've been able to lose 75 pounds. I went from a 46 to a 36, and I do about an hour, five times a week cardio. Excellent. Either on a spinning bike or a treadmill. I eat five, six times a day every three hours. I went to see a nutritionist, and she's taught me. And I do this in my truck. I still I still do 14 hours a day in the truck, but I'm, you know, doing intermodal work. Now, I want to go back over the road, but when I hear stuff like what you said, you know, the average truck driver living up to 58, and the company I was with, every year, two or three guys would be found in the truck dead, and yeah. that was the average age, you know, in the 50s. I know. I know. And I want to go back over the road because it's what I like, and I find it hard to make a decision, should I, should I? One of the things I, I plan on doing if I do go back over the road is I bought a spinning bike and I plan on removing the passenger seat and ca- one of the cabinets and putting a spinning bike in there and so I could keep my cardio up. I not keep doing the meals on the truck because I do it now. Okay. Hey, hold that thought. I'm going to get to a break. I, I'm glad you called. It's a great topic. I do want to talk about it. Uh, so, I'm going to get to a break. I don't want to rush this. We're going to come right back. And Mark and I are going to talk about some fitness on the road. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. Before the break, I was talking with Mark in Florida. Mark, are you still with me? Yes. Okay. So you've done some really amazing things. Seriously, that that is such a huge transformation. It, and I'm so glad that you've done that. And really, that is so much more important than everything else we talk about whether it's trucks or fuel manager money or anything else, what you've done is so much more important and we do need to talk about it more. So I'm, I'm glad you called. Now here's the thing. You said you lost 75 pounds. Is that what it was? 75 pounds went from 46 pants to 36. <laughs> Outstanding. How long ago was that? 
It's taken me 14 months. Okay. Um, I think you should go back over the road because that is what you like to do. Uh, clearly, you want to go back over the road. And I understand why you're concerned. The concern about the, the lifespan and the age is not just because somebody's driving a truck. There's nothing inherently unhealthy about driving a truck. It's the lifestyle we engage in when we drive a truck. We, 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 money and miles are the most important thing. I'm not saying they should be. I'm saying that if you look around the industry, that's what everybody focuses on. How many miles are you getting? How much money are you making? Push, push, push. 70 hours a week isn't enough. I'm going to cheat on my logbook so I can do more. You know, that's the mindset and the mentality we have. And with that mindset, we see what happens. Nobody's focusing on health and fitness or just focusing on driving more. So it, it, it's this slow progression. I've watched people get into trucks over the road who were very fit and healthy before they got into the business. And five years later, they're a mess. They're overweight. They're borderline diabetic. They have high blood pressure. They have sleep apnea. And, and you combine that with the lifestyle that is challenging. And no wonder why people are dying at 58. But we don't have to. Just because we drive a truck, we don't have to engage in all of those things. We could drive a truck, but still make health our priority. And, and you know what it takes to be healthy. You have to decide, can you keep that stuff up on the road? And as long as you do, as long as you keep eating the way you're eating, keep exercising the way you're exercising, then being over the road shouldn't be a problem. There, there's really nothing unhealthy about it. Yeah, I kind of find it as a challenge, too. You know, I, this was a challenge doing this. And now I find that if I could do this on the road, it's another challenge. And, um, you know, who knows? I might touch a few guys. Um, uh, Absolutely. You know, let me let me give you a, a piece of advice. And this is just from recent experience and and my experience with health and fitness virtually my whole life. I, I mean, I. I certainly have fallen off the wagon many, many times, but health and fitness isn't something new for me. I mean, I was studying this when I was a teenager. Um, the one thing that has made a huge difference for me this time, and it feels kind of silly, but the fitness band, the wearables that I've been talking about, what a difference this makes. It, it you know, because... You know, I, I love the fact that you've got a set routine. You do this many minutes, this many times a day, which is fantastic. And I'm doing the same thing. But I've also noticed that my activity level throughout the day when I'm not working out can change dramatically. And this little fitness band keeps me very aware of when I'm not getting enough activity other than my workout. The other thing that it does um, I said the other day, uh, there's not a lot of difference between these bands. They all seem to work pretty good. They all have an app. They all have a website. I'm finding some little things I'd like better, but I'll tell you the biggest hook on my Fitbit. It's the first one I started wearing. And on the website, you can add friends. So every time somebody requested to be my friend, I just accept it. I don't even know who half the people are. Um, but I accept it because I figure it's somebody who hears me on the radio. So now all of a sudden, every time I log in, not only do I see all of my activity, but I see all of my friends. 
And guess what? I'm really competitive. I want to stay on top. So if any of my friends think they're going to beat me, you've got a long road because if somebody gets ahead of me in steps, I'm going to go walk again. That's my competitive nature. So I, I'm going to use that to my advantage. So if you haven't tried one of the fitness bands, you can buy some of them for like 40 or 50 bucks. I, I would recommend them. Like it's uh, Diggs or Sports Authority, something like that? Yeah, yeah, or, or online. You know, if you can ship it to some place where you're going to be home, um, online you get a tremendous variety. It, interesting, I haven't been in a Sports Authority for a long time, so I haven't looked there. I would imagine what, they have a great selection as well. What's it called again? Um, the one that I'm using, and I actually like a lot, so I could clearly recommend this one. It, it, okay. The company Fitbit, I have the Fit, Fitbit Flex, which is one of their cheaper models. They go all the way up to a $250 full-blown watch. And uh, Kim Cockerham, who does our show Destination Health, is actually testing the Fitbit watch. So Fitbit starts at like $250 for their full-blown watch with GPS tracking, heart rate, all kinds of stuff. And I think they go all the way down into the 40 or $50 range with one of their cheaper clip-ons. I'm going to definitely, you know, any, I'm trying to find all the tools, everything I could, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Feel, you know, my sleep apnea is gone. My, I went to a doctor for my physical and uh, she couldn't believe she said my height, my blood pressure is like a 20 year old. I'm 52. That's um, amazing. I'd yeah, love I that. feel like a totally different person. I never want to go back, you know, and you know what? I don't get tired when I'm driving. I used to be tired all the time. I just, so, tired. no, it, it, it really is. And, and that's why I, I'm so glad that, and, and I really have to give credit to Kim and Lisa. Um, they were the ones that really kept kind of hammering me that, that we have to do this. And I kept saying there are other people doing it, let them do it. You know, it's not our specialty, but you know what? The more I looked at it, it really is. I, and I'm not saying there aren't other people doing it that are good at what they do. There clearly are. There's lots of people in the fitness and health arena. There's even some really great people in trucking. So, you know, follow them, follow anybody, learn from whoever, but you know, I, I, I finally had to start listening to Kim and Lisa and look around and say, but wait a minute, we are qualified to do this, very qualified. And it doesn't have to take away from what else we do good. We just might need to bring some more people in and help. And, and Kim's been amazing. I absolutely encourage you to listen to her show today. Uh, and I'll give you some more details about the show and the time and the phone number before we wrap this up. But, um, by all means, call, listen to Kim, call in, talk, share your experiences. One of the biggest challenges we have around health is getting people interested, getting people to ask questions, getting people to call in and share their experience. I, I, again, I'm not asking anybody to pay us anything right now. Um, we will fund this network ourselves. We will fund all of these podcast shows. I will figure out a way to make money eventually with sponsors or partnerships or whatever it takes. Uh, maybe we'll have a premium membership someday where you will pay and get extra benefits. I don't know yet. I just know we've got to get listeners first. We've got to get good content, which I believe we already have. But the content will get better if you get involved. 
So for all the shows, whether it's the shows about brokers or rates or authority or health or the book club that I'm doing, get involved, listen, and join the conversation. Even if you don't have a question, give us some of your experiences around these topics. Uh, so, uh, you know what? I'm going to give you some details right now on uh, on Kim's show, and I'll do it again at the end because I don't want you to miss it today. So it is this afternoon. If you're listening to the, re- the recording uh, at night, then uh, don't pay attention to what I'm saying. But if you're on our recorded show right now, while we're recording it, then this applies. Today, it's Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. And all you have to do is call the number, just like all of our podcasts. They're really simple to listen to. You just dial up a number and sit there and listen. And the number to call for Kim's show today, 347-324-3285. So 347-324-3285. That's Friday afternoon today if you're on the live recording at uh, 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Please listen. Please get involved. I I think we can accomplish tremendous things with this network and these podcasts, but we need your help. We need your support. I don't need your money yet. I just need you to support us. Just listen and get involved. And if you don't like something, tell us. I'd like all feedback, positive or negative. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Ruff. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're down to the final segment, so I'm going to get back to the phone calls in just a couple minutes. Uh, Real quick, a couple things that I'm working on in the areas of health and fitness. Obviously, getting more active, and I I like challenges. I like uh, clear goals. So this year at the CMC, we are going to run with the cows. That's kind of funny. We're not really ready to run with the bulls yet. We're just going to run with the cows. We're going to do, there's going to be a 5K and a half marathon. Half marathon is nowhere near being in my immediate future, but a 5K, I think I can pull off. Now, just to give you an idea, I've never been a runner. Uh, I I don't have the body for it. Uh, I'm not going to set any kind of records, no matter how hard I train. And it's not one of the exercises I enjoy a lot. I like walking. I like hiking. but Running can be good. Uh, I like, I'm, I'm really learning to like swimming, but you, you got to have a pool, so it's a little more difficult sometimes. Um, I, I really enjoy resistance training, weight training. That's easy for me. Not easy, but I enjoy it. 
Um, but the running, I know it's good. It, it's a good challenge for me to take up right now. And I'm kind of starting from zero. It, just to give you an idea, what I started doing was at the end of my walk, if I was going to do, say, a three-mile walk, at the end of my walk, the last quarter of a mile, what, 400 yards or so, uh, 400 meters, I, I, I jogged at a very, very slow jog, four miles an hour. I think some people can walk four miles an hour. Um, I jogged the last quarter of a mile and it almost killed me. I mean, that I'm starting at zero. And that was just a couple weeks ago. And my goal is to, my original goal was to run the 5K in May under 35 minutes. Now, that's certainly not burning up the pavement, but it, it's a pretty good pace for me. But you know me, I can be an overachiever sometimes. And I found a training program for my treadmill. And the whole point of the training program is to get you under 30 minutes on a 5K. Still not burning up the pavement, um, not all that impressive, but impressive for me, very impressive for me. Um, I probably haven't been able to run that kind of distance and that kind of speed. Oh, no, there was a time where I was training that I could have. But, you know, it's been a long time. Um, I could certainly do it easily when I was in the military. But since then, I don't do a lot of running. So that's where I am. I'm starting from zero. My goal is a 30-minute 5K by May. And I'll keep you updated. I'm doing lots of other things. I'm trying to eat better, uh, trying to sleep better and understand my sleep. And we're doing a full-blown program with a chiropractor and naturopath. So we're, we're checking our body fat with the bod pod, and we're following uh, uh, advice from the chiropractor and naturopath, and we're going to go through the, the whole gamut of getting our spine realigned and, and working on that side of things as well. Let's... Uh, Let's go to Arizona. Rusty, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, since I called in here, I've got an alarm that's going off on this TFT telling me that I'm over pressure on these super singles. What's the max pressure before they blow? Um, the tire will probably never blow because of too much pressure. I, I think I've heard Mike Beckett say they've run tires up to crazy, crazy inflation rates, like 250, 300 pounds, crazy stuff. And the tire doesn't blow. Actually, the first thing that could come apart is the rim. And I've heard reports of rims coming apart with, you know, only 150 pounds of pressure. Now, I used to run my wide singles at 140 cold. So you could clearly get to 140 or 150 on a hot day. And when I read the reports of, of rims coming apart, that's when I backed down to 130. And I would still hit 140 sometimes on a hot day, but I don't think I ever got up to 150. What are you showing for pressure? Uh, 142 is where I'm at now, and I I aired them cold at 120. So I was just a little concerned with that. And so Do you I have a uh, – well, the, the, one, the, the one reason that I really like temperature is because high pressure – do you have a temperature sensor on yours? You said you yeah. had the TST, right? Okay. What yeah. temperature are you running? 72. 
Oh, they're nice and cool. Wonder why your pressure is going up so much. Well, it, it was raining because the, the ground's you know still still damp. But huh. uh, you know, and I'm only thirty two thousand on the, the spread axle, thirty two thousand on the trailer. Yeah, so I don't know. You know, I'm just thinking about that, and I'm trying to get the best fuel economy out of this. Um, you know, but you know, you might try. It, here's what I would try. Um, try one thirty. Just to see what happens. It, you might find that the ride is a little stiff for you, it, but but give it a shot and see. Here's what happens. The more pressure we put in a tire, the less pressure differential we see when the tire gets hot. Let me try to explain what that means. You started at 120 and ended up at 142. It's very possible that you could start at 130 and only end up at 142. Would it make and, a difference? I mean, what, I've heard nitrogen expands less. I mean, I, I'm finding out uh, local Ford dealership, I can roll in there even with my semi and they'll fill them up for free. If so I tell people I do all that the time, you can get, um, if you can get it free, then do it. It is better than air, but it's only slightly better. I mean, there's already like 79% nitrogen in the air we breathe. So, you know, when we do pure nitrogen, it's not like a hundred percent difference than oxygen. It's only about 20% different. So it, right. it, 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 it's nice if you can get it free and it's not a big deal. Absolutely. Throw some in there. It helps. But the other thing is, like I said, you might be able to start at a higher pressure and end up at the same place anyway. Let's, uh, let's go to Michigan. Alan, welcome to the program. How you doing, Kevin? Good. What can I help you with today? Um, just got into a new truck. It's a 2004 T800 C15 Cat, 13-speed, uh, and it's got 390s in it in the rears, and the tire's 22.5. I don't know what the brand is. Um, in six months, this will be my truck. I'm wondering, since I'm doing some heavy haul, if I should leave the rears alone or if I could go down to 355s or something so that I can do... 60 at about 1300, 1400 RPM instead of the 1550 at that now. Got it. Okay. So, real quick, is this a single turbo or a twin turbo? Single. So, it's a, this is a bridge engine. Has it been unbridged? No. Okay. Uh, something to keep in mind one of the biggest changes you could possibly make to this truck for fuel economy and performance is the, uh, the, computer upgrade to kind of unbridge this thing. Now, I'm not exactly sure if Pittsburgh Power has got that one approved yet or not. If they haven't got it approved, then they're not allowed to do it anymore or yet. Um, but I would call them because it, it makes a tremendous difference if they go in and reflash that ECM. Uh, as far as the gearing, I would do the same thing I've been recommending to everybody. Since you've got a 13-speed, and you're going to change gears, which I would recommend. 390s are not a good gear for this engine. 390s can work well on a Series 60 if we drive it slow enough. But on a Cat, you'd have to drive around at, at 50 miles an hour with these gears. Um, right. Being a T800, my guess is it was set up to do more local construction kind of stuff. And that's why they've got that gear ratio in there. I would go all the way to two. How fast do you like to drive? 
58 or 60. They want me to do 60 at least, but. Okay. I would go all the way to 264s. At 264 that it in 11th gear, which is direct, your most efficient gear, um, you'll be at a great RPM. And when you need to go 65 or 70, you have two more gears up there. Plenty to work with. Right. Gives you a lot of flexibility and gives us our best fuel economy. Okay. That's all I needed to know. In six months, I'll be to have enough money to do that right away anyhow. Yeah. Excellent. Now, that, that'll be a big change. Again, check with Pittsburgh Power because there's a lot they can do to that bridge engine. Or they used to be able to. And once they get their testing approved, and again, I, I just don't know. So give them a call and see where they are on that. Speaking of where we are, we are out of time. Clock says so. The music's going to start playing, and that means I've got to get out of here. So thanks for joining me. Uh, don't forget, Friday, 4 p.m., Destination Health. Kim has got a, a great guest this week. It's Jeannie Lennox from Heart Smart Highway talking about cooking on the truck, all kinds of things. So check it out. 347-324-3285. Friday afternoons, 4 p.m. Eastern time. Be safe. Be profitable. Do the hard work and master the journey. Good night, everyone. I'm Kevin Rothenberg. for tuning in to the audio road if you have any questions give us a call at 855-800-FUEL that's 855-800-3835 check out the website at letstruck.com and find us on facebook.com slash let's truck